Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 26 of Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to be reading from verse 12. Revelation 3.12 Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Now again, this is the Lord who is giving this information to the Apostle John to write these words down of the book of Revelation to complete his uh, divine revelation overall. The whole Bible will be finished once God has finished the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible. And and here he is uh, giving us a statement that we're familiar with by now. Him that overcometh, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. The phrase, him that overcometh, has been said before a few times already in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. As the Lord addresses his message to each of the seven churches, to the messenger, to the elect at these churches, he often says this, him that overcometh. And and then he gives some additional information. For instance, back in Revelation 2, verse 26, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And normally what follows is that which applies to God's elect. And it's the same case here, him that overcometh. Now, let's remind ourselves once more that the Lord Jesus is the one that overcame through his work of redemption, through taking upon him the sins of his people and paying the penalty for them, dying the death that all the elect would have died had Christ not delivered them, and then satisfying the law's demand, a full and complete death, and rising from the dead, and all this taking place from the foundation of the world, and and being the victorious Savior, the Lord of glory, the Lord who now has redeemed his people. And that is the overcoming work, the victorious work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and therefore, all those that he died for overcome through him, through the saving faith of Christ. We overcome and as as God works that out in the life of each one who he has chosen. And so uh, when we read of him that overcometh, we first think of Jesus. Then we think of those made righteous by him, his people. And that's what uh, would be in view here. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, this word pillar is uh, a word that identifies with the Lord Jesus himself. 
And I say that because of what we read back in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where it says in verse 15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now here, uh, there's reference made to the house of God, just as we have reference to the temple in our verse in Revelation 3. And the pillar is mentioned. And here, due to the way that the Lord has formed this sentence in the Greek, it it's possible to understand that the house of God as it says here, which is the church of the living God, that the church or the living God could be the pillar and ground of the truth. And it's um, difficult, if not impossible, to discern which is the one being referred to. However, we know from everything that the Bible teaches that Christ must be the pillar and ground of the truth, that it it's not possible for the church to be the pillar and ground of the truth. And God, therefore, wrote this verse in this manner in order to allow some to uh, wrongly think that it's the church. And this is their springboard to doctrines such as that the Pope, his word is law or or whatever he says, he's the mouthpiece of God. Or other churches also um, actually teach along these same lines without being so brazen as that, without um, making such a declarative statement as whatever they say is truth. No, the, the Protestant churches wouldn't dare put it that way. But what they do is develop confessions and creeds and and they so re- highly regard the writings of their theologians that they wouldn't dare say there is any error in them and they would not dare make any correction in their confession or creed or denominational position it's handed down after all from the reformers and we don't question them and 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 for all intents and purposes they have made the church fathers, the pillar and ground of their truth. And that is the test that the Lord put the churches and congregations to. It is a test they have failed. And it is one of the major reasons why he came in judgment to judge the churches at the end of the church age. Because they did fail that test. They did not have Christ, the living God, as their pillar and ground of truth. But the true believers do. The true believers understand that it's not what a confession says. It's not what the church position states that is the authority. But it is what the Bible says, what what the Word of God teaches. And, and that is actually the proof as to who we have as our final authority. And, and God's elect uh, always revert back and trust the word of God as their authority and and not the church and and this really came to the forefront 
it became a major focus when the Lord opened up from his word as he unsealed the scriptures at the time of the end, the beginning of the Great Tribulation. He eventually brought forth from the the scripture, from the word of God, information which showed that the church age was over and it was time for the people of God to leave their churches. Now, this actually, we could say, uh, brought the very topic of who is your authority or who actually is the pillar and ground of the truth to the point where it no longer could be hidden as the churches were now being condemned by the word of God. The word of God was judging them. And, of course, they denied this and say, oh, no, God would never judge his church. He, the gates of hell, after all, will never prevail against his church. And, of course, with that statement, they they don't properly understand what God is saying in his word. The church that the gates of hell will not prevail against is the eternal church, the elect. And and the elect receive the information brought forth by God through his word as the authority. They did not hearken to the church's pleas and the church's reasonings that they were still viable. But the true believers understood, no, now it is time the, the Lord has given us the biblical calendar of history. We see how the timeline falls and lays out so well. And yes, the church age has come to an end. We must leave. And as God's people came out of the church, it was an action that demonstrated that their authority was the living God, that God was the pillar and ground of the truth and not the church or else they they would have never come out. They would have never listened to him. They would have instead listened to their pastors and elders and remain in the church. And and so this really uh, brought this to a head and the the church was uh, revealed to be a false pillar and ground of truth as God showed that, no, it is his word. Well, Christ is that pillar, and yet the Bible says here in Revelation 3, verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. Now here we understood that him that overcometh in the first instance is referring to the Lord. And I suppose we could also understand him that overcometh will I make a pillar. That that, yes, again, in the first instance is Jesus. He is the pillar and ground of the truth. And, and God did make him that overcometh that pillar. So we can look at it that way. But again, the believers overcome in Christ, and as a result, God likewise makes his people, the elect pillars, in the temple of God. And and they will go no more out. 
Now, we, we can say this because in Galatians chapter 2, in Galatians 2, the same Greek word, except in the plural, is used, where it says in verse 9 of Galatians 2, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Now, this is just a, a, a statement that's made here concerning three very faithful men, three disciples, and there's no question that they're true believers. They're truly saved, born-again men, James, Cephas, and John, who seem to be pillars. And and therefore, God is identifying um, not only Jesus, the living God, as the pillar and ground of the truth, but he uses that same word to refer to his people. And we've seen this a lot in the Bible. Christ is the Lamb of God, and the believers are the sheep. We see this again and again as the Lord is the supreme one uh, of whatever is in view. And then God's people are also likened to him or identified with the same thing he is identified with. And it's the case here as the statement is him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and and uh, we we know that the temple of God is a figure that the Bible uses to describe those that are forming the whole body of Christ or the house of God. The Lord uses several different figures. For instance, in in Hebrews chapter 3, we read of the house of God, and the house of God and the temple are synonymous. It says in Hebrews 3 and verse 4, For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is of God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? So Christ is building a house or God is building a house. Whose house are we? It's a house made up of those that he has saved. It's a, actually a beautiful image that the Bible is using. We find a further description of this in 1 Peter 2, where it says in verse 4, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, 
and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And Jesus is that chief cornerstone. He is the foundation upon which the spiritual house of God is built. Living stone placed upon living stone. That's what God did all through history as one way of viewing uh, his salvation plan throughout time. He saved this one and that one uh, in each generation. And it was as though he placed that person as a living stone in his house, building, ever building the house of God until finally he got very active at the end and saved the great multitude during the little season of the Great Tribulation and the stones were being added in, in a frenzy as as millions upon millions became saved in in uh, just a few short years until finally the house was completed and notice here also in 1 Peter 2 verse 6 that Jesus the cornerstone is said to be elect yes Jesus in the bible is called elect and so too are the people of God identified as elect. That's another example of what was mentioned earlier, that what is said of Christ is often said of his people. He was the elect, and the chosen ones are also called the elect of God. Well, let's go back to verse 12 of Revelation 3. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of of my God, and he shall go no more out. The one that overcomes, someone that God has saved through the justification by the faith of Christ. And now that individual is added to the house of God. Spiritually, even someone alive today upon the earth who has been saved has been added as a living stone to the house of God. And now, of course, we're looking at this house from the vantage point of its completion. It's been finished. It's all put together. And and so uh, everyone who was to be saved, all whose names were recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, now are forming one single house, of God, one temple or one new Jerusalem, as it's also called here, one city of God. Again, different figures, but really teaching the same thing. One body of Christ, that body which was knit together and formed in the lower parts of the earth as Jesus died for all of those that, that he intended to save. Well, that body was finally finished and all the members were brought together and formed one single body of Christ. And all this now is accomplished. It is done. And now God says to one and all that are part of this temple, part of the spiritual body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he shall go no more out. That is, if you've become a pillar 
in the temple of God, you will go no more out. Now, the the word here in the Greek, one of the Greek words that's that's um, found in this statement, he shall go no more out. The word no actually is a translation of two Greek words, and it's 3364 in Strong's Concordance, and it's a double negative. It's oi may, no not, and it's a combination word, a compound word of these two Greek words that adds a strong emphasis on denial. And for instance, it's found in Revelation chapter 21 in verse 26. I'll start there and, and also verse 27. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. This is referring to that new Jerusalem. And here God is speaking of all the ones that he has saved that have entered in. And then in verse 27, and there shall in no wise that Word here, no wise, is the same Greek word, 3364. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So here God is using this word of strong denial, a double negative, to emphasize that none that are in their sins, none that are um, uh, without a Savior, that have their sins upon them, will in any wise or in any way possible enter into heaven. And, and so it's a very strong denial. This is not going to happen. The will of God will not permit it. There shall in no wise enter into that holy city anything that defiles. Now, let's uh, see how God is using that same strong emphasis here in Revelation 3.12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. There is no more leaving the city of God, the new Jerusalem. No more leaving that temple. Now, why would God make such a point of this? Why would he stress this to the degree that he is by using this word that basically is saying, no, not, uh, no, no way, we would say today. It, it's, it's not going to happen. Well, we have to remember that God here is addressing the churches. And what is his plan for the New Testament churches and congregations, which are likened to a temple, which are likened to Jerusalem, but on an earthly level, in a corporate sense, just as the elect comprise New Jerusalem, the elect comprise that eternal spiritual temple, the elect comprise the body of Christ. Well, these these figures, the temple is used to describe the earthly church and house of God is used to describe the earthly church as 
and Jerusalem is used to describe the earthly church. And it was God's plan that at the time of the end, he bring judgment upon the earthly church where his people were located and situated and very rightly were to be found throughout the church age. But at the time of the end, God commands them to go out, to depart out of Jerusalem. We read in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and in many other places in the Bible, God commands his people to leave their membership, to leave their congregation, to come out of the midst of the church, just as he did as his spirit left the congregations at the end of the church age when judgment began at the house of God. Well, since it is God's plan to do this, uh, he is actually giving encouragement and reassurance to his people that there is a temple, there is a house of God and the body of Christ in which you will no more go out. You will never leave that temple. You will never lose uh, your membership in that body. And, and you will forever be a part of that heavenly city. And it is the kingdom of God. It, it is where all the elect, the eternal church in which the gates of hell will never prevail against it are to be found. And so this verse here, the Lord is giving us all good encouragement at this time when he has cut off the earthly house and the earthly Jerusalem is is under his wrath. It's words that are comforting, telling us, don't worry, you'll not be cut off from that spiritual house, from the eternal new Jerusalem. No, that that citizenship You'll never have to give up and revoke. You'll never have to leave that place forevermore. 